welcome, Pathfinders, to After Party 15. 15. Hi, I'm Heather. I hope you know that by now. <laughs> I'll be, uh, I'll Hello, be, Heather. Yeah. I'll be hosting this one. Welcome I'm, to Gamers Anonymous. I'm sorry. <laughs> so we're talking about episode 43, 44, and 45 in this yep. one. Does yes, any, we are. Does anybody remember what happened in those episodes? Absolutely I not. remember everything. Episode 43 is the one where we fight the Asobek, and then we talk to the looters. Episode 44 is the one with the battle with the shadows outside the gates of oh, the necropolis. Those thingies. Mm-hmm. And then episode 45 is the one where the party splits up again, and bad so, things yeah, happen to say, everyone and involved. We are punished we always, yeah, that's yeah. what happens. Do you break the cardinal rule of gaming? Yeah, <laughs> we well, just keep doing it. Some people don't want to stay at the end with the rest of us. Yeah, I can't name it the one where the party splits up because it happens all the time. <laughs> it, it'd be like the one where the party splits up one, the one where the party splits up two, three, yeah, I don't want to get five. to part 20 by the time that we're done yeah. with this thing. Yeah. So. I mean, granted, in real life, splitting up is fine. But when you're an adventurer, it comes with all it's kinds. It's dangerous of to go alone. Dangerous. I, I just live in a different place. Well, we we've had that in several games too, where we've had a character live somewhere else and then they venture off. Yep. So, so do we want to start with uh, episode forty-three? You guys got to fight some uh, Asobic, which was fun. And it's the one where Citra creature. got real mad. Yeah. Uh, Is that the same one? Yeah. yeah. You were mad yeah. at us about those looters. I'm still mad about y'all about <laughs> those looters because it doesn't make any friggin' sense. They were breaking the law. They needed yes, to go to jail. So was the friggin' um, the gang so member. True. He broke the law and you let him go. Yeah, because he gave us really useful information. These guys were just jerks. These were normal people <laughs> in a stressful time in the city that could have easily been talked to. They almost beat a tea merchant to death jail. What do you think the gang members do? I mean, bad stuff, but Sagira doesn't like them because they're taking advantage of poor people. Or not poor, poor as in people. sad, not poor as in economically disadvantaged, but Sagira was like, they're not even doing a good job of protecting the city because they don't even have real weapons. They like, Sagira just wasn't got even weapons. saying that, but they had a chance to change their ways and yeah, they did, or they, they would did. have if somebody had let me have a good diplomacy check. Sagira just had a lot of personal issues that she wanted to work through by punching them in the face. I mean, Onyris wasn't going to works. punch them in the face. Onyris was just going to take him to jail. The the most important part of this entire thing was Sudi sounded wise. <laughs> <laughs> Sudi was wise AF. Sudi sounded wise as all get out, Sudi, and that's what's important. Sudi didn't sound wise. Sudi decided he wasn't going to get involved. No, he was the one that mentioned that, uh, well, if we can get them to work with the guard, it would help everyone. Like, that was the Sudi plan. Yep, that, that they atoned for their sins by uh, working with the guard. I thought that was a pretty okay compromise. Yeah, except for these two continued to intimidate. I want well, to hit you know what? I am not in charge of anything that's outside of my body. <laughs> bodily so autonomy is I important. Have bodily autonomy, and that's about it. I do find it interesting, and I think it's a, a pretty good example of that, that if you look back at the... Osirian is, of course, a, a fantasy version of ancient Egypt, as I think has been established over the 45 episodes you guys have listened really? to. Really? I hadn't point. noticed that yet. Oh, oh yeah, really the pyramids, helping. actually. <laughs> yeah. You haven't seen any pyramids yet, but... Uh, I was going to say, no pyramids. You keep hearing no about these dunes. There are They're, a lot of animal-headed deities. But. There are a lot of animal-headed deities, uh, but you know what? They probably have those in other settings. But it's interesting because the, the Egyptians didn't necessarily believe in a concept of good or evil not in the traditional way not in the not in the way that most cultures do there was just in the beginning there was chaos and then a moon raised up the world out of chaos and created order and the whole concept is is that that's what the pharaoh is is the divine embodiment of order 
It's just part of the reason Onuris's lawful good because yeah. the order, the law is what the Egyptians really viewed as quote unquote good. Yeah. And so it's the idea that just law by its very nature makes for a good world. And so the idea is that the pharaoh is the embodiment of order and that if you have a bad pharaoh, that's when chaos slips in. Uh, it's a little bit personified by the the Horus versus Set. That Set is the god of the desert and storms and destruction. And Horus is the divine embodiment, although the pharaoh is the living horse who brings all the good things of the flood, renewal, and so on. Uh, and so I've always found that kind of interesting that these people are not evil per se. And of course, it's Pathfinder, and therefore some of them might have the evil alignment. But that's not really as much of a concern as far as the people are concerned, just law overriding chaos. And a lot of what you've been doing this adventure so far is reestablishing order. Whether or not you yourselves are lawful, it's the balance of the city has been thrown off and you're here to restore balance and bring order. Even if you're doing it so through some So those people manage. needed to be arrested because chaos. There you go. <laughs> you know? But the gang member... <laughs> Is fine because he provided us information. The Silver Hand also mostly grave robs. While Anuris is not cool with that, they weren't out in the street beating up civilians. You know what? Sagira agrees. That's Sagira's thing. Sagira's like, you know, you're going to rob from the dead. Fine, they don't need it, which of course goes against everything she should believe. As Except for the Silver past. Chain doesn't rob from the dead. Well, yes, she hates the Silver anymore. Chain. She was on board with hitting all of them in the face too. She just thinks that people who rob from people who are alive while they're there, that's pretty messed up. Citra doesn't like the double standard. That's her problem. Chaos. I mean, let's and on yours has only let that one gang member go, and that's when he surrendered, gave us useful information, said he didn't want to work with the cultists that he used to run with the old gang, and he was only still there because they would kill him if he left. Yes, but we've had several other gang members offer the same thing, and you still arrested them. The way that they said it was different. I seriously thought you were going to say he weighed their hearts. <laughs> the- he took the hearts and he say. weighed them. There was a feather involved. There was a whole deal. No. Against the feather involved. Citra follows Osiris yeah. and he ain't Osiris. <laughs> um, <laughs> Osiris is also all about the um, the idea of protecting the dead and renewal and everything. So. Yeah. I mean, Sagira just doesn't like people who take advantage of other people, which feels hypocritical, but whatever. It's Sagira. She is that way. Yeah, I was going to say, who stole from Falto? You know what? He was <coughs> stupid. He, she wouldn't do it now because he's, he's like useful and like he's nice. He was and stupid for thinking you. that I was a decent person. Yes. That's and awful. he had played That's up being terrible. a real idiot That's the whole so time. awful. That's just how Sagira is. You're awful. She you doesn't mean? want to go beat people up in the street and steal their money to say that she's protecting them. That's like well, yeah, more I mean, messed yeah, up to you're her. You're not like chaotic evil. You're what, chaotic neutral? Yeah, she's chaotic. Yeah, but yeah, Citra so. likes to see the good in people. She understands that when people get desperate, they do stupid things. Sagira had to work through some stuff. You know, she didn't even get to really kill an Asobek. I don't think she got a single kill. She just well, wanted to kill. Technically, the Asobek were actually summoned. Like, I don't no know death. if that. No, I don't think that really came up in that episode that both of the Asobic were summoned. Well, they creatures. had to. They had to. Yeah, have we been knew. Summoned. Well, so, yeah, but they were summoned via a summon spell and not summoned via then why did like we a get planar experience ally. For them, effectively, you got experience for fighting the people that summoned them. And the people just were MIA. They had just been like, "Oh, I guess that ran off. Oh well." And then they yeah, like. So, so what's the deal with that? Because they're only around for a round per level. So like, let's say they're. I, I actually got to bounce two d four at the beginning of that combat. And that's how many rounds were still remaining of the summon spell that summoned them. Oh, nice. <laughs> so feasibly, you could have actually just waited them out. I think I rolled a five. Now that lady would have yeah, died. Yeah, but it would have been, been funny if they'd knocked her over like the savage and stuff. And it's like, 
they're there for like one round. It's like poof. And pop. Yep. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I knew they were summoned because you said that they uh, that they like you know kind of disintegrate or like if you know well, there's uh, no body left over when if, some and of if monsters. Are we killed. were having if we had enough clerics that were powerful enough to be gating these things in, then the necropolis wouldn't be a problem right it's now. It's true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like summon, <laughs> you know? summon the herald of your deity. And well, go to gate, town. gating no planar ally would be feasibly an option. It's a lesser form. It's something that's potentially even within the strength of some of the more powerful. Yeah, but I'm just saying if we had enough people to be doing that kind of stuff, we would have this whole situation well in hand by now. Yeah. Unfortunately, the only uh, full-time psychopomp that you have on your side is Kwasin. I mean, she's pretty cool. She's pretty cool, though. Well, the temple has the one that's super creeps. Yeah. Yeah, Um, that one's cool. Bringing us to the next episode, right? Episode 44. (laughs) I'm the host. Shush. What's next? <laughs> Heather, oh, tell sorry. us what's next. Lean back. Lean back. Episode 44 is the one where we went to the gates and oh, we yeah, met yeah. Ball. Um, I don't think you two had met her before. She was no, the one that had, helped no. patch up on Eurus. Man. And, um, that was good. And Citra. She was first introduced back in uh, episode, what was that one? Uh, I don't know. One of the ones where we split up. <laughs> Actually, that was back in episode 30. So, cool. yeah, you guys hadn't so actually hard. seen her in like 13 episodes. But, yeah, the one with the revelations on death and curses. Yeah. And we uh, we fought some shadows. We saw that cool psychopomp. Yeah. And we saw the psychopomp that, is, the that hangs yes. around. That was a temple. cool psychopomp. This was the first episode where we actually fought something incorporeal, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like we've yeah. talked about it, but that was the first time we actually fought it. And those and, are and such I'm a once, pain. I was going to say, I'm once again reminded why low level corporeal <laughs> creatures just, just irk me. Yeah. I got to use my really cool new sword, except I also rolled like minimum damage or something on that but ability it has. Also, yeah, the crispy damage. Only <laughs> one guard died. And I think that was yeah. kind of scripted into the encounter. Yeah. the way that played out. It was a little bit. I actually um, changed that encounter a bit from the book. So. How did you change it? Uh, yes. As written in the book, it's actually a shadow with the advanced template. Oh, oh um, Which was interesting, but I actually kind of liked having an opportunity to showcase its ability to create spawn mm-hmm. and illustrate that danger with everyone else around you. And so I just decided not to give it the advanced template and then add an additional shadow, which increases the encounter level for the encounter by two if you double the number of creatures in it so regularly it's an encounter level i think uh or shadows they're surprisingly low they're like for how dangerous three? they yeah, are i think they're because like of their strength drain uh, yeah the strength drain is the worst part who got hit with that sudi i know secura was um, i, was I think on Eurus was too i, I think, think i was i was that's right yeah because we were talking about going to the temple the next morning and using our credit to get everybody patched back up yeah, yeah but the shadow is usually a challenge rating of three so it advance up to four or if it was with the advanced template. But then I just kept it at three, doubled the number of them, which was an encounter level five. Yeah, but we saved Ball and all the other guards, so that was good. Yeah. It did make that encounter interesting because suddenly it was like, oh God, get these like guards who are very squishy (laughs) away from this thing. Probably like level one NPC warrior classes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's also one of those things from like a GM perspective. If if Rick was a less benevolent GM, he would immediately try to kill all of those guards and just overwhelm us with shadows and TPK. I think the the second shadow immediately went for another one of the guardsmen. Yeah, Yeah, we we chased it off. And we we hit him pretty hard. So he was like, oh no, I'm going to punch the people that can actually... Hurt me. Well, yeah. They do possess some basic intelligence. They're actually surprisingly smart. They don't retain necessarily their memories from their previous life, but they still have close to human level intelligence. Yeah, yeah, I always find it more fun when it's uh, an intelligent undead that has like you know some kind of story because like ghosts are always really interesting because it's like what's keeping you here, oh ghost friend, versus like 
the shadow is just like, I'm just a, what, like a rough projection of person. So I don't have a full personality or anything. I've always liked to think of shadows as the collective evil of an individual, Ooh, just given cool. physical yeah. form. Oh, and nice nice I've always found that. it weird that they, they tap in a little bit in their lore into the shadow plane, but... I mean, they're still undead and more directly connected to the negative energy plane. So they're dark link. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. So little shadow <laughs> doppelgangers. Very good. And then we ha- talked with Shepis for a little bit at the end of that. And he, yes. has, he says he has a plan. Yes. And we think the plan is to sacrifice himself. We're not entirely sure what the plan is. That's, uh, what that's another thing we were going to talk to Sub to you about. It's not up to the, the standard, I bet, of a Rick level plan. So <laughs> it's probably going to go horribly wrong. I think it's like, I'm going to wait in there myself. And I'm I don't just feel like he's that thing. reckless. But he has this serious urge to like prove himself. Because didn't you say earlier on that mm-hmm. he had this something with his family got disgraced? Well, he's like know, the youngest son. I, I'm positive you guys made the check at some point. You know the basics. We did to get the general thing. Like he's a he's a from a wealthy family. He is the bastard son. That's yeah. it. Ah, that was it. Yeah. Okay. So of the noble Shepis line, descended from the man who saved Wati and mm-hmm. sanctified the city for Phrasma. Which is yeah. why he really hates the silver chain. Well, also why he's got to like kind of prove himself because yeah. you know being he's, the bastard. He's of, Jon Snow in it up in he here. Is, he is uh. the Jon Snow of, of the group. I think Jessica was actually making a direct reference to something else you learned. His hatred for the silver chain. Because, oh, yeah. Yeah, cause, yeah, the silver yeah. chain are named after the chain that they stole from uh, the original oh, yeah. Shepis. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's the deal. Yeah, but even considering all of that, he doesn't seem like that reckless of a dude, but... We'll he may not think goes. of it as reckless. He know, may think of it as those, like the only way. Well, like the, also yeah. we haven't seen his actions. We've only heard these are the rumors that we know about him. So it's one of those things where like, you know, we're kind of hearing it secondhand. So he could be someone totally different. I mean, we saw him cleave through a bunch of undead like a bamf. Yeah, yeah. we did. He did do that. We also trained know. with him. Yeah. I mean, I did train with him. I don't know what, how much Sudi knows. I mean, it's one of those things like, is he just a guy who's like, and there's the big, great, strong warrior so-and-so, and I just have the mythology of him? No, or they've, they've him, said that him? he's gone into the necropolis and all that before. Like, yeah. he's earned his reputation. He's also pretty hands-on with the voices of the Spire. The voices of the Spire are not exceptionally numerous, and his only job is the commander of the Voices of the Spire. So he's... Uh, Sudi would have dra- trained directly. So he's the, he's the, I'll make a man out of you. Yes. Uh, yeah. Guy from Mulan. Yes. Let's exactly get down what I was to business. Yeah. Yes. To defeat the Hun. The yeah, <laughs> that does not work. And then at the ep- so. end of that episode, we split the party again. Well, we yes. just went home. Uh, yeah. Onyris and Citra went back to the Tooth and Hookah, and Sudi mm-hmm. and Sagira went back to. Well, Sagira wandered off on her own. I and went, to my went house. back to the. I was going to say, we, we split the party. Like, we, we split the party into three pieces, and then Sudi <laughs> went running after Sagira, like, oh, come, come back. Sagira had to go and, like, talk to her father figure and and yeah, i nice had a really tea. bad yeah. night yes <laughs> you did although i think i'm having a bad one now i was okay, very happy with right. the ending of that episode <laughs> like which part just just overall or well just the whole cliffhanger nature of- oh okay i like the ending because it was oh no it's a court of law and segura's first instinct was oh no we need on yours because he knows laws <laughs> <laughs> Onuris does no laws. Onuris love law. 
<laughs> but we also did something really different um, in terms of like our presentation because um, normally we would do like an A side episode and a B side episode, and instead we just did a meanwhile, you know, yeah. like inner episode meanwhile. thing. So let us know what you think about that because I, I actually kind of liked it. Yeah. Um, just, I need to get the Batman, uh, the old Batman show sound effect. Ah, my childhood. So nice. Citra almost got murdered by an undead Valeriana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so Rough which lip. which I'm still confused about. Because she came to my room the night before mm-hmm. and didn't try to murder me. Why is this second night different? <laughs> because you put a trap. Well, we also think that she was raised by the Pulse, and we're not entirely sure if that means she's not a normal Revenant. Well, yeah, which Pulse, too? Because, like, there were... Well, actually, she would have been hit by the first one and then the second one potentially... Yeah. Yeah, but she she uh, was in the room before the second one hit. Yeah, remember she, the yeah. second said, one hit while we were walking to the necropolis. Yeah. Yeah, because Rick said that when the Revenant sees like the object of their obsession or whatever, that they have to attack. And yet, they are overwhelmed yeah. with their rage and hatred. But she just stood at my bed and creepily stared at me. Maybe she was trying to decide if it was self-defense. And the deliberations took a long time, and I so by the second day, she was ready to She was it. evil when she was alive, and now she's undead. I doubt she she's doing much moral deliberation there. I mean, you pretty much lose that as soon as you become an undead. Well, though, I, right? she's obviously not a normal revenant. So I'll give you a little bit of food to think on this. Oh, God. What you knew of Elriana is the fact that she was a very religious individual, dedicated to Nethys. Yep. While her spirit may have started to go on, you know that she came back as an undead. Which means that when she returned back from the grave, she effectively had lost that vital spark and a great deal of her intelligence. Oh. Um, And so this was the first time in her existence that she's been stripped of her magic. So she may have very well, despite the fact that she is physically stronger than she was in life, mentally she was probably well well aware of the fact that she'd been stripped of what she considered to be her greatest weapon. Which was her spellcasting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's pretty prideful about the spellcasting ability. Oof. Add on to the, that the fact that you managed to kill her before. She also needed her hat. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe she went and got that stupid hat. So, <laughs> I feel like we're going to find another murder scene. <laughs> I mean, considering we, we called her, what, for the first like at least 10 or Hallie. so episodes, <laughs> Hat Lady, yep. that uh, there was a very distinctive part of her. So I, I feel like it was essential to her. Being I, fine. Oh, poor God. murdered Haberdasher. It was definitely her like bonded weapon or whatever. Or her bonded item. Her arcane her focus. What is the thing for wizards? Yeah, yeah, her her arcane bond. Her arcane, arcane yeah, bond. It was definitely bond. a hat, even though it's not normally. That would oh be gosh. fun. Actually, there's not. I don't think there's anything stopping you from it's making that. It's supposed to be a weapon or like a ring or something like. There's a list, I think. Yeah, I don't think hats are on that list. Yeah. Yeah, it could be like a metal band on the hat or something, maybe. Anyway, that's my my hat cannon. Oh gosh, your hat cannon. And then y'all are. Having fun with a judge. Ah, oh, the coolest side plot of uh, like the eye taker. We yeah. have a thing with eyes. Sudi is so not ready for this because <laughs> I have to be a lawyer. Well, Sudi's got wisdom, but he no got no intelligence, so he I'm gonna be real messed up. Just pretend smarts. you're Phoenix Wright and go from there. <laughs> uh, yes, I'll just be like I'll just be like Objection! <laughs> I'd like yes. to interview the parrot. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked. But that guy no. was cool. Yeah, I've been really interested in running this encounter for a while now. And there's something that really amuses me about the idea of an entire courtroom full of skeletons wearing little fezzes. (laughs) I I was just waiting for somebody to make a Doctor Who reference. Yeah, Yeah, no one did. I did it on purpose. Yeah, all of you at home won't be able to see this, but for the rest of you, 
Isn't he cool looking? Uh, oh my. Uh, he looks like he's he, like he, he posing like a, like a rapper. Yeah, he looks yeah. like a rapper right now. His next album's about to drop and it's like <laughs> so to, he's fresh. He's about to drop some sick beats. Yep, Judge Dredd there. <laughs> Although I think I, I think in the episode I called him what left eye Lopez. <laughs> I think you did, yeah. Because he's really into eyes. Yeah, he's got a weird eye fetish. I mean... Well, no, that, that was a punishment. That's a punishment in Osiris. It's not the only punishment. Yeah. That guy's just real into that specific thing, which means that's his kink. Aww. <laughs> You're welcome. Did not thank you for that. <laughs> but yeah, it was weird because it was like, oh, my worst nightmare, a court... Oh God, it's even worse because there's a skeleton guy and like everyone I love and, is in a cage. And then and... you set the cat to get on Eurus. Yes, yeah, so I was like, Laws on Eurus should be here. <laughs> he will know what to do. And I sent the cat. Maybe his whatever weirdness is with you will make you aware of old ancient Assyriani laws. Oh, yeah. I rolled poorly. You just come in and show him your face and he's like, <laughs> oh, <shit." laughs> oh my God. Got a bat over here. <laughs> yeah. I think that's how that works. That's definitely not how that works. I don't know. He's I mean, an undead judge guy who thinks he's doing lawful stuff when he's very definitely not. To be honest, I I, I didn't expect him to just be like, oh, a priest. Okay, are well, you here to be a prosecutor? No. Yeah. Are you here for and the prosecution the or the defense? I know, and I was like, what yeah. if you had said defense? And, and Rick did hint that there is a way out of this without totally screwing I know, up. There, there is a means by which to get out of this without bloodshed. What if you say defense? What would have happened if Sudi had said you he was here say for defense? You guys did say the defense. Or sorry, the other the side, prosecution. the prosecution. Well, then, yeah, you could totally Prosecute help convince him to kill everyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's yeah. the renegade versus paragon decision. Uh, yeah, no, so I, I didn't really see that as much of an option. I think the foolish thing I did was saying, I'm here to defend all of them, because... I don't know if that's harder or better or easier, but he seems like he's going to just judge them all as a unit anyway. Yes. I'm pretty sure he's already made up his mind. So, good oh luck. no, he's definitely he's definitely biased. <laughs> like, this is this is a, a judge I'd be getting disbarred if I was a you know lawyer in the real world. So you'll have to tune into episode 46, the one where we pretend we're Phoenix Wright to see what happens. Hey, I've done it. I, ha- <laughs> yeah. I have done it once before. It's a different character. You know so what? I have some experience. We can just kill some skeletons. To be we're, fair, it I was... doubt there's just skeletons. Oh, I, I will. Re- well, that's one of the things I really enjoy about this encounter because I will they remind explode. you that they explode. Oh, you have yeah, to get, kill them away that. from our friends. <laughs> Like, lure all them. We'll kill one far away. We gotta lure away. them over here and then kill them No, all. you kill one far away and then barring any ranged weapons, they have to come to you to murder you. So they come. You just don't go to them. My, my hope is that they'll all cluster together so that when one of them dies, it's like the it's like when they, uh, we <laughs> killed uh, Ekram and it's just like a chain reaction of explosions and they take did, did I mention that the room is only 40 feet across? No, you sure I don't did. know how big the radius <laughs> of the explosion is. Much larger room, so think... this is disappointing. Ooh, what if we went outside? Wouldn't they be compelled to come outside and get us because we're breaking the law? I mean, maybe. Well, I mean, there are still people outside. Well, and also the the skeletons aren't unintelligent. Well, they the skeletons are unintelligent, but you were able to determine Die. that they were being directly controlled by the judge. Well, I think then there's just going to have to be explosions. I don't really have a solution. The crazy, regenerating, bloody skeleton judge. Yeah, that guy's gross. I think there <laughs> yeah. needs to be a new rule, rule that um, crazy judges are not allowed to be buried under their courthouse. Yeah, that's a terrible idea. Who gave him that option? Like, sure, you can totally, that's normal. Uh, even more interesting, so this is the other thing that I had, is like, there was the rumors of him, like, you know, haunting this courthouse and stuff, but his spirit has been sitting here for, like, thousands of years, just chilling out, waiting for this energy pulse to get raised up. Not, or has he been, like, a ghost? Or well, no, like? as, as a man in Osirian he would have no interest in returning as undead, period. Mm. Yeah. He he was dedicated 100% to 
his job. He loved sentencing people to having their eyes ripped out. He loved it. He was just the man of the people. <coughs> the eyeball people. The eyeball, yeah. And then after his death, his sole wish, instead of having himself entombed in a crypt or anything with his own family, he was so dedicated to his own job that he wanted to be buried underneath his courthouse. I refuse to believe he has family. He How seems dare a he little have bit family. like a workaholic. Yeah. yeah. How dare he? The have guy family. loved his job. His job just happened to be sentencing people to have their eyes ripped out. It could have been any number of things, but <laughs> I mean, that I, is the I thing he wanted it to be guess about. Yes, he was living his best life. He was going for that Guinness Book of World Records before it was a thing. Some of this, I think, kind of transitions back to that the world is not as it should be since the death of Aridan. Yeah. So for potentially sure. this guy should have been resting in peace under this building for all of eternity. Mm. Yeah. Um, this cop pulse maybe should have never happened. Let Good me, job, Aridan. God. I think, yeah, definitely should not have happened. Yeah, I know. I've still got to think of a way to convince him, though, because apparently he had a 100% conviction rate. <laughs> like, prosecutors would kill for those kinds of numbers how do you i, beat I will the point system? out that you guys didn't make the the history check we don't know like who this guy really is all that much beyond like the street rumors basically yeah and so, so that's the thing is is segura knows the the stories about this person but it's kind of like when there's a creepy house at the edge of town yep. and everyone's mm-hmm. like it was an insane asylum until all the inmates died and then they turned it into an orphanage until all the orphans died <laughs> and then you get over there and it's like oh wait no it was it was literally just a building yep it's kind of the same thing with this, where they're just like, this guy killed everyone he ever met. With an eye. Which hopefully is not true. <laughs> he made a club of eyes from the eyes he took from prisoners, and then he, he took more eyes to add to his club, that's because that's insane. not a very good club. Like, like, seeing eyeballs, they're not very good weapons. Well, that's why you have to keep taking them to replenish your weapon, because your weapon gets real squidgy real fast. So it's like a magic club of eyeball stealing? You know, like my weapon is made of salt with magic holding it together. This is like eyeballs. Anyway. Mm. Anywho, I guess that's it. <laughs> Segura had awkward tea. That's a thing that happened. You did have some super awkward tea. But you're building a relationship again. Yeah, she's not sure she wants to, but she is doing it. I don't know. She's still very conflicted about it. At some point, you're going to have to mention the fact that your dad's last name isn't Maeve. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sudi's continuing to embarrass himself with, Hi, Mr. May. Hi, Mr. May. Thanks for the tea, Mr. May. Don't blow me up, Mr. May. Well, he, to be very sudden, don't go to my house. Like, stop it. I mean, yeah. But I need a way to reference him other than your father because he's not actually your father. He's also not actually my father. Like, I don't have a term for I don't that. think you have told us his name. I don't think Sagira's ever mentioned that to I mentioned his else. name, Bentu. Wait, I did mention Wait, his what? name. To, to me, I think. No, it was asking the guy when we were, there was like a crowd and we were trying to get oh, in. Oh, yeah. yeah. Trying I asked if Bentu, um, Bentu non. non was there. And that was him. Mm, yeah, but non. I don't think you told us I'm looking for my dad. I, I think you just walked up it. and asked for this guy. But I did say his name one time. <laughs> Come on, catch I, on. I, I, clearly <laughs> did, I clearly didn't keep up, so I don't think so you did either. <laughs> So we do have a few emails. Sweet. Sweet. We love emails. Awesome. Uh, Our first one is from, I'm going to say Shana, maybe Shauna, S-H-A-I-N-A, Shana. Shana. Hi, Shana. I'm going to go with Shana. If that's wrong, let me know. Uh, Shana says, thank you for your podcast. It's a super enjoyable listen. I myself have not yet played a tabletop role-playing game. But I've managed to get myself invited as the only mom to a fledgling Dungeons and Dragons dad and daughter group when a friend of a friend mentioned it. That's fun. Good. 
Good. Good for you. She says, my enthusiasm likely made him feel a pressing obligation. (laughs) 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 Because the internet knows all, your podcast popped up as a recommendation on my podcast, Addict, and I've been listening ever since. She she asks, I'm mostly just wondering how to capture the attention of these five to eight-year-old girls while trying to figure out the DMing protocol. Any advice or tips would be amazing. I have never played D&D with children so i mm. i actually <laughs> i have great experience doing it. so i know that jessica has experience with this i know jordan has some experience yep. with this and i have a little bit of experience for a time i was back in the 3.5 dungeons and dragons day i did a how to play uh, or introduction to D at my friendly local gaming store so i have honestly my only suggestion is just just be patient. Let them come up with the ideas that they want to do and then explain to them how the, they can accomplish it. And if they say, I want to run over here and leap on top of this building and then do a skydive at the top of the goblin on the other side, go, okay, it's going to take a little bit of time, but you can do that. Here's the climb, DC. You just need to roll a good die. Yeah. Well, how are they? Like eight? She says five to eight. Yeah. Run something that's published and I would do pre-gen characters probably, especially if it's the first game. And I say that because there are a lot of rules. Even if you scale Pathfinder back or you use the beginner box, a five to eight year old, that's a lot of rules to comprehend to build a character. And that's going to take four hours at least if they're very attentive. But even the beginner box building out of it takes a lot of time. So if you want to just play to see if they want to play... I would have them do pre-gens and then let them explain what their character looks like and their character's name and like the story pieces of the character. And then they can use that sheet. And then once they've learned how to play a little bit, you can work on like actually making their first characters. Um, the other thing that uh, if you're going to play it, like if you don't, you know, the, the names and everything can sometimes be a little hard to keep in your head uh, for kids that are a little bit younger. So feel free to like, you know, maybe it's not um, King Parthenox got like his like 12 characters long, but if you simplify it down, it can be easier for them to both remember it. That might be something to keep in mind. And be prepared for them to not want to kill any animal you ever come across and instead want to like feed the animal or befriend the animal because that happens every time I throw animals especially at girls because for some reason middle school boys are like real bloodthirsty I don't know what that's all about um, in my experience but yeah so like there's definitely like letting them know it's okay to not just kill things is cool also yeah and, I mean hopefully we're, we're pretty good examples of that also because yeah it's uh, it's very tempting to just be like here's an opponent you have to defeat it but the best the best part about Pathfinder is if you give the, the players an option especially with kids I think kids are a lot more open to the alternatives of combat because because they don't think about that. You know, they haven't been kind of, I guess, enmeshed in, you know, violent media and stuff to where they can they can really think about it and say, oh, you know what, I'd rather just try to be friends with this person. Like, And that's, I think, a really cool thing to instill in kids also is just that you don't have to resort to violence just because you can. It's like the, the non-extended DC universe Batman. Yeah, I was actually going to say cartoon Batman from yeah. the yeah. 90s. That, like, that was my go-to because there were actually some episodes where Batman didn't fight anybody. One of my favorites is when he actually helps out Harley when she gets out of like the mental institution and she just has a really bad day and he like brings her cake. Yeah. <laughs> or God, I don't know if he brings her cake, show. but he does, it was he a, does oh, do yeah. something. He, he brought her the dress she wanted yeah, to buy. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. That started the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. So where do we want to say Shayna is from? Somewhere nice because children. There's children. <laughs> um, oh, man. Definitely not that place we went to in that one game. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say most most of Pathfinder, not friendly for children. Um, the children, the children's futures. What do we want futures for them to be like? You know what? 
Amber? could be from Absalom. Absalom's a cool city. Yeah, yeah. Not and they could have place. like opportunities to join the Pathfinder Society yeah. and be adventurers. There you go. Yeah, okay, Shane so is from Absalom. Yep, there you Absalom. go. City at the center of the world. Very good. We have a second email from Luca, who's from Scotland. Where did we say hey, Scotland Luca. was? Bravoy? We decided yeah, right. that Bravoy? at some Bravoy, point. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't we decide? Nermathis? Yeah. No, was it Nermathis? I don't know. Uh, talking about I thought we said Bravoy. Yeah, I think. But this is a different guy. He can be yeah, from somewhere else. Yeah, he can be from somewhere else. He says, "Hey guys, I know Rick hates praise, so I'm definitely not gonna say that you guys are my favorite podcast, and I definitely won't say that that you guys got me into Pathfinder, and I 100 percent won't mention that I'm having a ton of fun playing a gunslinger and carrying crown. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate your restraint, Luca. <laughs> Carrying Crown's a good adventure path. It's yeah, a good one. Good one. And he goes on to say, I want to ask you experienced players what things you you wish you knew when you first picked up Pathfinder or just general advice for a new newcomer to Pathfinder. I am a perma-DM for a 5e game, so is there anything specific to the Pathfinder system that I should know? And Luca from Scotland, in parentheses, he says, I don't know what where that would be in Pathfinder. We'll figure it out. It's fine. <laughs> you know? Okay, Scotland. Well, there's moors. I mean, depending on what part. Yeah, it depends <laughs> on what part of Scotland you're going it's for. It's real pretty. It is freaking gorgeous. I love Scotland so much. Yeah, we, we did get to go to Edinburgh and the, the fishing villages of Fife. Yes, we did. Were, I want to say Nermathis, but I don't know why. It's a very green and beautiful place. The River kingdoms are kind of marshy and we pretty We put rocky a lot of people before. in the river kingdoms. It's yeah. so flexible. You can put let's put them in. Let's put them in a city. Let's. You know what? How about just the Five Kings Mountains? Oh, yeah. Oh, I nice. mean, they've oh. got, not to go with the stereotype of um, all dwarves having Scottish accents, but they have some amazing <laughs> beer. I don't know if he's from the Highlands or the Lowlands you know either. What? So. Yeah. Five Kings Mountains. Five, five Kings right. Mountains. Okay. Five okay. Mountains. If nothing five... else, they've got great beer. Luca from the Five Kings Mountains. <laughs> we got so you. is there anything that you wish you knew when you first picked up Pathfinder? Mm. I've been playing D&D for so long that I pretty much knew what I was getting into when we started. So The Heather's been playing as long as I have. It's a long time. Which is a long time. But yeah, Jess and Jordan and Rachel, you guys have all been playing for about seven years now. Yeah. Don't worry about reading the whole book. Yeah. You're not gonna. I mean, unless you're Rick. <laughs> Um, just read what's relevant yeah. to your character slash whatever you're trying to do. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll echo that also. Um, the beginner box uh, does a good job of, of mentioning what rules are good to stop. Like, don't, don't enforce it first, and you kind of bring them in gradually. The other thing is, like, it's uh, we've talked to, like, Jason Bullman and stuff uh, from Paizo, and it's perfectly acceptable to just say, I don't know what this rule is, so I'm going to take a guess, and we'll look it up and resolve that later um, to keep the flow moving, because I know it's very tempting to just be like, Hey, let's grab the book, and especially when you first start out, you'll be, you'll be in the you'll be in the rule book the entire time if you are trying to be like very by the book. I think I wish I'd known that you could attempt crazy things in the game. Like at first, you, you're kind of hesitant to say, mm-hmm. "I want to try this thing," mm-hmm. or because you know you're you're looking at your your skill list and you're like, oh, I, don't, "I don't actually know what the heck does this knowledge arcana thing do." You're very hesitant. And so I, I remember the first couple of games, I didn't want to jump 15 feet off of something or attempt that, you know, crazy maneuver, my flippy floppies that I talk about now. Mm-hmm. I was pretty terrified to do those. I wish I had known that you could ask something of your DM. Doesn't mean you'll always get to try, but every now and then he's like, well, you got a 50-50 chance. And it's like, all right, screw it. Let's do this. <laughs> And when you talk about coming from 5e, I don't understand why people that play Pathfinder and people that play 5e fight all the time because they're both cool systems. But there's more in common than I. Yeah. There's more that yeah. 
that binds us than separates us. Yeah, I mean, it's essentially if you want to play a cool character and tell a cool story, you can do that with either of those systems. The biggest kind of difference I've seen, 5e does advantage and disadvantage. Pathfinder never will do that. And instead, you'll get penalties uh, or you'll get bonuses. And they're like, you know, plus three, plus four, plus whatever, depending on the situation. So that's a quick, big difference. I think combat maneuvers are different. Yeah. And that they exist. Yes, yes. Combat. <laughs> it's like opposed strength checks and stuff yeah, in 5e. It's, uh, it's, we're, it's a totally different system. Um, coming, you know, coming from Pathfinder and then going into 5e, there was a lot of questions. Like, how, how do you, you know, I want to craft a magic item. How do I do that? And we, we were digging through the book and trying to figure out, like, okay, what is the price? What is the time? And Pathfinder does a really good job of giving you the answers to all of your questions. They're very meticulous. Um, yeah. Wonderfully meticulous, uh, especially if you do invest in all the books because, holy cow. Yeah, and you mentioned that you're going from being a GM or a DM, a dungeon master, to a game master being the difference between the two systems. The things, if you're taking up that role for Pathfinder, I can suggest to you, one... Pathfinder is renowned for its published adventures. Honestly, they have the best published adventures out there, and especially until you get your feet under you. Um, Mm -hmm. Homebrewing is a little bit harder to do on the fly in Pathfinder versus 5th edition. And one of, I routinely get questions from game masters out there on my suggestions for being a game master and playing things. And my number one suggestion I can give to everyone is make everything bite size. So when you're going into, if you're running Mommy's Mask, you don't need to know every single encounter in the Tomb of Akintepi when you sit down to do your first session. You just need to know they're probably going to go through this many rooms. And on average, one encounter per hour, we're going to be playing for four hours. I really don't need to know more than four encounters. And so just kind of take it piece by piece. And the uh, if you're playing anything that's published, Paizo's message boards have some great feedback from the fans over every single book that they have published. So be sure to use that as a resource because most of the time the actual writers will get on there. And so I do that for any Pathfinder Adventure Path book that I run. I'll go on there and then I'll find out what were Crystal Frazier's thoughts whenever she was coming up with this encounter with this skeletal I take a guy. I can actually know what Crystal Frazier's thoughts were on this. So use the resources available from the wider Pathfinder community. Other than that, of course, the number one rule, have fun. Yeah, that, that, I was actually going to piggyback on that. <laughs> have fun. fun. Good just like, have, fun. I have a lot of fun with that. And feel free to keep us updated with how things are going for you. Yeah. And if you have any further questions, do not hesitate to ask. Bye, Luca. Bye, Bye Luca. Ernie. We're very jealous of your beautiful homeland. Yeah, I want to move there. The Five King Mountains. Very nice. So do we have a time for our casting the deity section? Yeah. All right. Well, just one. We'll cast one real quick. Hey. Just roll a die. You got to roll a die. Hold on. I got right. it. Pause for technical difficulties. Sorry, life is hard. Dang it. <laughs> I've done so much work already. 11. 11, you say? Uh-huh. Neat. So who would we all choose to play the all-seeing eye, Nethys, the god of magic? Oh, my goodness. Nethys is the, uh, the god of magic. Ancient Osirian legend speaks of the god King Nethys, a man whose monumental pursuit of magic opened the fabric of reality to his probing vision, revealing to him the secrets of creation in this world and the great beyond. The sight catapulted him to godhood and tore apart his sanity, creating two minds in one body. Now his fractured mind seeks to both cleanse the world through its destruction and guard and heal it to bend and preserve, to conquer and free. 
Nithis is usually portrayed as a he's like man half, yeah he's yeah, like he's half on fire half with white like, hair uh, half of his body burned beyond recognition the other half of him pristine yep it's a tough one do you want me to start Heather sure okay so here's a, I'm, I had to think about an actor that I know can play a variety of different roles so my mind immediately went to a movie that I know where that was required for it and he's not Egyptian like he's about as far from Egyptian as you can get. Um, well, no offense. isn't necessarily Egyptian. <laughs> it's true. I think no, no offense, Luca. Uh, James McAvoy. Oh, you stole mine. Yeah, he's got. That's who I was. He's just got an amazing about. range. Mm-hmm. He can really flip back yeah, and forth. Yeah, because he was in that. What was that split. movie called? Yeah, yeah. yeah. and so in Glass, we just saw that. So. Really good. Because I was like, hmm, and I just landed on that, and then you said it. Yeah, I like... Get I out like, of my brain. I like James McAvoy <laughs> for it. Out of my brain. Okay, Mads Mikkelsen. Ooh. Are we just going to nominate him for every deity until I he mean, is one? Yes, because I love <laughs> him. He was conflicting with Rami Malek, but I have cast on yours as Rami Malek. So, I, I so definitely Mads Mikkelsen, because... He can be like suave and debonair, like in Hannibal. He can be like rough and tumble. He can like, he has a big range and he looks kind of interesting and he'd be imposing. And he seems a little bit like a living fae. Like he's very <laughs> like, I could believe that guy has magic. <laughs> There's another person that also fits that bill for me, but I think I've already mentioned him like seven times. So I'm not doing it again. My boat's arguing with James McAvoy, but because um, I have to pick somebody. Um, Jeff Goldblum. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Taika Waititi, who is not an actor. Yeah. I'm just thinking of Magic Boys now. Yeah. Magic Boys. I was going to say, actually, uh, Taika Waititi would actually be pretty just funny. Just kidding. I'm sticking um, with Mads. No, I'm going to go with who I originally went with because uh, I love Stargate SG-1, and so I think my inspirations tend to go to that because also Egyptian. Tony Amendola, who played uh, Braytac on Stargate SG-1, Teal'c's mentor. Hmm. He's, he's kind of an older actor. But uh, he does a really good job of being both scary and lovable, if that makes any sense. Mm. Like he's mm. he's like he's a he's a kind of guy. He can be ser- like dead serious, and he can also be like just a very funny guy. And I feel like that's kind of like that duality plays really well with uh, ne- with Nethys. I can see it. Yep. I have too many. I always have too many. Well, I already just had like three, so I think it's fine. Okay. I won't get on to you. <laughs> Well, the first one that popped into my head was actually because I was thinking along the same lines as uh, Rick, where I was like, who can play suave, but also insane? And I was thinking Brad Pitt from 12 Monkeys. Mm. Oh, man. Yeah, but I don't really picture him as that. And then I was like, Javier Bardem. Because he plays uh, Anton Chigurh in No Country for Old Men. Oh, yeah. And everything. And but then he also plays the love interest in Eat, Pray, Love. And so I was mm-hmm. like, oh, you're like a teddy bear, but oh my God, you are scary. But then my last one, which I think I'm still going to stick with Javier Bardem just because I think he's actually really good for it. Plus, I love Javier Bardem. Was Anton oh, okay. Yelchin. He's been suggested before. Not for yeah. And, but I then suggested I was like, him I, for Zonka Thun. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's like too, I don't think he does it well enough. So I'm going to stick with Javier Bardem because he is really good at playing like lovable characters, but also like I am scared to meet you characters. Mm-hmm. Javier Bardem. Mm-hmm. Actually, as of a younger actor, I think uh, Ezra Miller could do a pretty good one. <laughs> I already have him cast. We haven't picked that duty yet. Ever? Well, Rick stole into my brain and stole <laughs> James McAvoy the second. Like, he said it as my brain was like, that person. So um, I started thinking about gotcha. other actors that I have kind of see do the, like, you know, can freak out and be, like, totally crazy, but can also keep it together. 
And so I'm going to go with, uh, I can't, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce his last name right. Mark uh, Pellegr- Pellegrino. He's the, he's Lucifer and Supernatural. Oh! <laughs> oh, I like Does that one. Does he have the boyfriend on Dexter? I have no idea. Tarita? Um, I changed my vote. I'm with Heather. Um, let's Ooh. see. Let's see about oh. his filmography. He is such a magical Ooh. boy. Yes. <laughs> Isn't he? I'm pretty sure he's the, oh. the douchebag boyfriend on Dexter. No, he's lovely. Stop talking about him if you don't like him. <laughs> uh, I don't actually... When did Dexter come out all the way? He is so good at being very mm-hmm. nice and loving, but also Satan. Yeah. Yes. Uh, oh, that's a good one. That's a really good one. Because I got to thinking about... Yeah, he was in Dexter for eight episodes. Yeah, so that's he was, probably he was him. Rita's ex-boyfriend. Um, and if um, Nethys was supposed to be like a the first Pharaoh, maybe yeah. like he'd be like Regal. Ah, yeah, he does. Yep, I'm with Heather. Yeah, so that's actually yeah. I think that's yeah. I put choice. Mads back in my pocket. <laughs> He's gonna be one eventually. We'll Mads is too perfect not to maybe be. Maybe a yeah, demon I'm sorry prince. if I'm I like but McAvoy, totally but. butchered his last name. I'm not. I'm not good with. I think some it's Pellegrino. Pe- yeah, Pellegrino. But I think he'd uh, he oh. would do a really good job. Yes. Like Dang it, you made my dead. choices hard because I like James <laughs> McAvoy and Pellegrino at the same time. Ah, oh, that's so hard. I guess I'm the tying vote. Are you? Are uh, you with McAvoy? Rachel? I'm with Javier Bardem. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> so like passionate about so it. So we've got one you have for two McAvoy, votes. we've got two for Pellegrino, and then we have oh, Jordan. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to go with McAvoy. It's going to be a tie, and the, we'll let the Reddit decide. decide. The supernatural I, I fandom can't. is just going to rise up out of Reddit. I know. I'm going to get buried for that. I think my but. problem is is with that actor, I don't know him from Supernatural. Lucifer. I know him it's from... Lucifer. Yeah. Yes, but I know him from all of his other roles because even in... Like, he was on an episode of Criminal Minds and I'm just like, oh my God, I freaking hate you in this episode. Until the very end when I was like, okay. <gasps> my brain just had a problem. You mean the Lucifer from Supernatural, not the Lucifer from Lucifer. Yeah. Oh, you you were thinking the Lucifer from Lucifer. Now I'm thinking oh. Lucifer from Lucifer. I've never oh, seen that show. Oh, no. That guy would be really good for it, too. I don't know why I just made this jump, because you're talking about that. And I was like, who else played a good Lucifer? I was like, hmm. Viggo Mortensen. Mortensen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, but we're not just going for the evil side. No. You have to have that duality. I, but he can also be Aragorn. Well, I know. <laughs> I wasn't saying against Tom Ellis is his name. Tom, Tom Ellis. Ellis. Oh, so, he's fantastic. J- I... Uh, you know my vote. Who's James your, McAvoy. McAvoy? Out of the Tom world. Ellis. McAvoy. McAvoy. I'm Javier Bardem. I still I think he's I good. I think, I think we're going for James McAvoy. McAvoy. By I mean, don't be wrong. Martins. I love me some Slim James Martins. McAvoy. But. All right. Someone give McAvoy a call. Yeah. And he's Scottish. Ha. That, that's why I made that joke about about as far away from Egypt as you can get. <laughs> Sorry, Luca. All right. Yeah. So James McAvoy is our Nethys. Oh, and right. But we will still post it for votes. Yeah. Next Maybe time we'll other cast more deities. Maybe there'll dun, be some dun, more Stargate SG One fans, and they'll vote. And then, uh, as always, we'd like to give a shout out to people who leave a review for us on iTunes. So you guys are the best. So thank you, Aaron Unicorn. Oh, Aaron man. Unicorn. That's Very an awesome nice. name. So thank you to. Uh, I'm going to go with Thorak. Thorak. How's it? What is it spelled? It's spelled Thor, T H O R, followed by A C. Thorak. 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 I think there's a story behind that one. Probably. Thank you, a Zach of Opportunity, for the many extra <laughs> damages we are able to do because of your review. I oh, love that name. That's awesome. That's a good name. That's a great name. Uh, and a special thanks to four thinking gamers for thinking and being gamers <laughs> and also leaving us a great review because that was also helpful. But uh, I do like thinking gaming. <laughs> 
So thanks uh, also to Fear the Jake. That's kind of a just cool. I love the name Jake. In Ooh, general, the Jake. What's the this? Jake? Like, it's like a monster. The Fear the Jake. Fear the Jake. Is that one of those like things where it's like an acronym and it's J A K E and it means like something else? Uh, I think no, it's, it's just like a Fear the Jabberwocky. It's kind of like a boogeyman type, like a Babadook, yeah. but the Jake. <laughs> Babadook. All right, Netflix. That's how you have to say that. I don't know We're what to tell for you. The Jake right. movie. Well, Jake, we don't fear you. We love you because you gave us a good review. <laughs> Bad move, buddy. All right. <laughs> and, uh, I, I think all of you had some uh, some pretty great headers for things as far as what you actually titled your review. I'm going to give it to a Zach of Opportunity. He actually just put absolutely incredible with two exclamation points. Mm. So thank you, a Zach of Opportunity, but also had the single most detailed review that we've ever received. And we love feedback. Oh, that's yeah, cool. cool. So thank you. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. And there'll be another after party in three weeks. But on Monday, we'll have episode 40 something. I can't remember already. 46. (laughs) We're making our steady march. We're only uh, five episodes away from episode number 50. Oh, man. Of which we'll do something. Wait, if 47 is that Monday, aren't we three episodes from 50? The, The next one will be 46. Oh, 46. It'll be, yeah, you'll hear us back after episode 48, and then you won't hear from us again on the after party until f- after 51. Well, good luck, Pathfinders, and all of your pathfinding adventures. Thank uh, you, Pathfolk. 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 That needs to be a step One of us. Good luck, Pathfolk.